If you're wondering why you should listen to me, I'm your everyday 24-year-old guy going through everyday struggles. And maybe, just maybe, you'll feel better knowing you're not alone. My name is Brandon Dennis, a nursing student living in New York. Interested in learning all that I can, I make friends with all kinds of people. Everything from music to business and fitness, I'm open to hear everything and anything. Welcome to the Unwritten Podcast. All right, all right. Welcome everyone to the Unwritten Podcast. My name is Brandon Dennis and I'm your host. And welcome to another installment, episode 8 of the Unwritten Podcast. Uh, this one is a, is a special one. Uh, this is the one that I've been working on for a little bit. I've uh, been trying to collect as many stories as I can for, uh, well, what you now know as uh, hashtag tell your story. I wanted to start this to give people platforms to speak on their encounters with racism and to kind of give everyone a little bit of perspective on what racism actually is and how it can affect multiple people of different colors. Although we already know in our climate today that racism is mainly towards uh, or mainly affecting uh, black people. So um, I don't want to keep this too, too long. This is actually fairly short, but all these stories that are about to uh, be told, they're told by the people themselves. They give their names, they get their ages, they get their, uh, their ethnicities, um, their colors, and none of this is edited. I, don't, I didn't clip anything out. I didn't clip anything in. Um, I didn't ask them to portray any kind of emotions. I just asked for them to give their first name, last name, um, age, and uh, their color or ethnicity, and to then follow up with their story that takes about two to five minutes per story. Um, I do hope that when you hear them that it moves you in a certain type of way. I hope that it sort of changes your perspective a little bit or kind of adjusts your mindset to kind of think and approach racism in a different kind of way. Um, yeah, uh, so without further ado, I'll be now playing hashtag tell your story. I'm Kayla. I'm 23 years old. I'm white. This is my story. Growing up, I moved around a lot. I was raised in many racially diverse areas, and because of that background, I consider myself an ally to not only the Black Lives Matter movement, but to many other movements that have fought for equality, regardless of age, race, gender, what you identify as, sexuality, etc. I am now currently married to a Hispanic man. Early in our relationship, we you know, talked about the injustices he had faced, be it at the hands of the cops, managers, other people of authority, to even his peers. But the story I'm going to tell today is one that had not only affected his life, but mine as well. My husband and I met at a bar that we both worked at. He was a bar back, which basically meant he changed kegs, did stock, cleaned glasses, did all the stuff that a bar needs besides actually making drinks. I was a hostess. The end of one of our shifts one day, it, my husband tells me that he had sprayed himself with a keg. I laughed at him. It was funny. Whatever. Now it's 1.30 in the morning and we were driving home and he gets pulled over. He had forgotten to signal. So the cop comes, says, do you know why I pulled you over? You didn't signal. It was fine until the cop smells the beer. So the cop asks, have you been drinking? Like, it smells like alcohol. My husband replies, no, we work at a bar. You can clearly see on both of our shirts and name tags that it says the name of where we work. And it says Ale House. So the cop 
forces my husband to get out of the car and gives him two DUI tests, both of which my husband pass. There is no doubt about it, my husband is sober. The cop still decides that he doesn't believe him, but he wants to be nice. Tells him that I could take you down to the station, but I'm gonna let you off, but I want you to drive, and he gestures to me. Now at this point, the cop had not paid me any attention the entire time. So I was very confused to be addressed now, and I had to tell the cop, I, I don't have a license. It's 1.30 in the morning. So the cop says, you don't have anything. And I said, well, I have a permit. The cop asks to see my permit, barely looks at it, looks at me, and tells me to drive on a main street at 1.30 in the morning. So I do it. Fast forward a few months to when my husband has to go to court to deal with the tickets that the cop wrote. We find out that this cop basically arrested him without having to bring him to the station, and he had to go through the entire booking process at the court before he could even see a judge. To which then we find out all the charges and all the tickets that this cop wrote with absolutely no evidence. So my husband had to hire a lawyer. It took over $3,000 in court fees, plus the amount it costs to hire the lawyer, just to get these charges, not even completely gone, but dropped to lesser charges. That $3,000 was two months' rent. We could have put that towards a down payment on a house. We were paying for a wedding at the time. And that was over $3,000 gone because that cop decided that my husband was drunk with absolutely no evidence. The system doesn't need to be reformed. The system isn't broken. The system is doing exactly what it was meant to do, which was to oppress people of color and anyone who doesn't identify as a white cisgender male. The system needs to be torn down and rebuilt from the bottom to the top. And the system, it needs to happen now. Because now my husband and I have an eight-month-old, and I will not let half of what he told me that he suffered through happen to her. Anonymous, this is my story. I am a Chinese-American nursing student in Long Island. During my time in the nursing program, there have been multiple lectures about the significance of different cultures and how we must respect everyone of different backgrounds. It is important to be culturally sensitive and competent when being a nurse, which leads us to my story. My med surge clinical professor was a Caucasian woman. She was a well-seasoned nurse working in the emergency department for more than 10 years. On her first day of pre-conference, a peer of mine mentioned that he's employed at this certain hospital. He said to increase patient satisfaction, this hospital mandated that patients were to get a five-minute back massage from any member of the healthcare team, usually meaning the CNAs or the nurse. After hearing this, my clinical professor said, I don't know why they would make nurses give massages when we have Asians for that. To this day, this still resonates with me because what she said that day was that Asians can only have careers at massage parlors. That in her eyes, I can only amount to being a masseuse that I was the only one that did not belong at that pre-conference that day. The reason why I wanted to share this story is because racism is really an insidious and contagious disease. Doesn't matter what field you're in, the type of people you have encountered, or how educated you are, you can still be a racist. My message to minorities is that those passive, ignorant, hateful comments that your peers or coworkers try to brush off as jokes, you have every right to react the way you want to react. 
You are not crazy. You are not overreacting. And you do know how to take a joke. You are not in the wrong if you feel angry, hurt, and offended. Because it's 2020 and we're not going to let them gaslight us anymore. So thank you for listening. And thank you, Brandon, for giving me this platform. Hello all. My name is Laura Isabel Diaz. I am 23 years old. I am of Colombian and Cuban descent, and I was born and raised in New York. So for me, racism wasn't anybody saying any slurs or anything that we can't say as society, rather it being passing jokes or just further oppression as me as a woman who is Latina. So the first time I remember I experienced anything that is racist was in seventh grade. Um, I was in my history class and I sat in front of this boy. And I remember, you know, we were talking about our ethnicities and I mentioned I not only am Colombian, but I am also of Cuban descent. And he worked his head towards me and he said the following. He said, oh, you're Cuban? So doesn't that make you like a really good swimmer because your people, you know, they fled from the island? And I looked at him and I mean, I rebuttaled back to him and I said, hmm, fancy coming from you. And that's what I left it at, but... You know, it didn't really sink in until eighth grade. My eighth grade year of middle school, I took French. I was forced to take French. It wasn't an option. And my teacher was very mad at all of us because we did not perform to what her expectations needed to be for our proficient speaking exam. So... The following day after our exam, she slammed the door in the class and she started going on this whole rant saying that we are, that was disgraceful what we did, that how can we not understand that French is the most valuable language out there and that any of us who think Spanish is more important need to realize that Spanish is only a language that you need to use when you speak to your landscapers. And that really took us all aback, including me and the other few Latinx kids in the classroom. Everybody went quiet, and only one kid raised his hand and said, but Ms. Woolman, isn't that racist? She didn't say anything back to that and just kept it pushing. Now, I remember I went home and I told my mother of this story, and she was furious. She wanted to go to the school and make a whole big thing. And I was terrified because this woman was crazy. So, you know, I kind of convinced her to just brush it under the rug. But looking back at that, I regret doing that 100% because that it's not okay. Like, Spanish is a very important language. All languages are important, if anything. But it didn't stop there. Now, as a woman, I do experience oppression a lot. But as a Latina, the stereotypes that come with it are just unreal. A more recent event that happened to me was 
at work, I work at Target, and one of my um, fellow co-workers made a passing comment towards me. Oh, you're Latina. You know how to cook well, right? And I just turned my head to him because I was making some type of food. And I was like, what? And he goes, nah, nah, nah. You know how to cook. Like, can you whip me up something? And I was like, oh, nah. I was like, you're good, my guy. But it doesn't also stop there for me. I've also been told because I am Latina, that means I need to call men that I have sex with Papi, that I must be really good in bed, that I must be giving the best head because I am Latina, because I have all these curves and everything. And it sucks to say that I am 23 years old and I'm just realizing it now, how much I've been oppressed by society in their own unique way. And though I didn't really go into much detail, I hope that my story can bring other stories to come forth. So thank you for your time. Again, my name is Laura Isabel Diaz, and I hope you guys have a wonderful day. My name is Devin Matera. I am 25 years old. I am a white man, and this is my story. I felt compelled with all that is going on to share a story about three separate instances. I was shown by law enforcement what white privilege is with no punishment for my actions. I realized the following situations I put myself and others in are and were dangerous, and I have learned from the decisions. The decisions I have made and the actions of police officers allowing me to have a forum to discuss this are the same reasons I fight for equality amongst men and women who don't get that second chance when the laws are forced upon the oppressed. In September of 2015, after a friend's birthday at a bar, having just turned 21 myself, I got drunk. I decided I was sober enough to attempt to drive home. I got as far as two stoplights before the officer pulled me over. After his lights went on, immediate fear of going to jail was coursing through me. I was asked to step out of the vehicle and perform a drunk driving test, the scariest moment of my life. I blew just under the legal limit. Regardless, I should not have been behind the wheel. The officer allowed me to get back in my vehicle and follow him a quarter mile up the road to a park and rest for the night because I had to babysit my sisters in the morning. I slept in my bed that night. In August of 2016, after a friend's birthday at a bar, I once again got behind the wheel as I had done 11 months earlier, intoxicated. I left the bar with friends in the car. We were buzzed and high. I managed to drop them off safely and begin my return trek home. A mere two blocks from my father's is where I got pulled over. I thought to myself that jail was inevitable this time. The officer smelled alcohol and marijuana in the car, to which I was asked to exit the vehicle and perform another test. This time, I was over the limit. I didn't know my father's address because he had just moved into the house. I don't live with my father. I blew a .093 and had some marijuana on me. The officer allowed me to get back in my vehicle and he followed me to my father's house where I slept on his couch that night. In November of 2019, along with a sister and two friends, we went urban exploring in an abandoned psychiatric center, walked into a room of a low-level building to check out the graffiti. No vandalism of our own was done. Three officers walked in dressed undercover and pulled us from the building. A friend had a blade on his hip because he carries a knife with him in most situations. The other friend had a THC oil pen on her. 
We were compliant with the officers and were given court summons for January of 2020. We went and all got let off with a warning for park closed to public because we were, according to the judge, in the park after dark. It was the middle of the day when we went. We are all white. It went to work an hour after the incident. Three instances in my life have changed and shaped a perspective of what it's like to be the other person, to try to see from their eyes because I will never walk a step in the shoes of the oppressed because I am not a person of color. I can only hope these stories resonate in you and I want you to think of the narrative being changed and how the outcomes may have been different. My name is Devin and this is my story. And there you have it. Four unique stories that all revolve around racism, and in one case, a little touch on sexism. I hope that when you heard those stories, it evoked some kind of emotion in you, that it made you think differently, that it made you want to think twice about what you think when you see a person of color, when you see a black person in the street, that you don't allow your mind to go to those preconceived notions, to those prejudgments that you may have developed in your childhood, that you may have developed throughout your life. I really do hope that this show uh, shines some light. I hope that you learned something, that you took away something from these stories because this could be your friend, this could be your neighbor, this could be your sibling. I also want to say Devin's story in particular about white privilege. White privilege is a real thing. White privilege does not mean that your life is easy. White privilege just means that your skin color does not impede or make your life more difficult. White privilege could make your life easy, but does not have to. It's something that will not make your life more difficult. White privilege is real and racism is real. It is more alive than ever. As you can see, the climate in our nation changing and evolving day by day. With more protests, with more petitions being signed, with movements happening everywhere. But with that said, I'll end the podcast here. I want to say thank you to everyone that has listened to the Unwritten Podcast. This thing would not be possible without your support week in and week out. As you know, this will be the last episode that you will have for this Monday for at least a three-week hiatus, possibly four weeks. But I do promise that when I do return, that the Unwritten Podcast will be bigger and better than ever with new topics, new discussions, and everything in that atmosphere. To you guys, I will catch you next time on the Unwritten Podcast.